And we are live here in the live stream, multi-stream edition of the Running with the Herd podcast, powered up by Herd Nation, a part of the Rivals Network. I'm your host and the producer of the Running with the Herd podcast, Aaron Coleman, alongside Josh Stowers. Josh, welcome, as always. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. And we'll be joined momentarily by Herd Nation moderator for the site, Aaron Perkins, and later in the show, we will be joined by the gentleman from the Boneyard podcast to talk a little bit of ECU. So taking a look at Marshall through the first two games, obviously uh, both dominating performances against Navy and NC Central. Josh, what are your biggest takeaways from those first two games offensively and defensively, and what have you seen that stood out to you the most during the Huff era? Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, obviously we've, we've been slinging the ball around quite a bit. I mean, um, you know, I know Coach Huff talked about, you know, wanting to you know, score a lot of points and, and move the ball pretty quickly. And, and something else that has stood out, obviously, is the tempo. And that's something he had talked about, you know, before the season started. But, uh, yeah, without looking at the numbers, honestly, just – and I get, you know, trying to, I guess, maybe not necessarily challenge Grant, but I mean, like, you know, get Grant in a rhythm with the offense and mm-hmm. get him accustomed, you know, because, you know, let's face it, I mean, you know, he, uh, you know, last year was a reduced season and, you know, he really, that's, that was his first game, game experience there. So, I mean, like, you know, he's still young in terms of, you know, game snaps. So right. I get, you know, what they're trying to do there. And I mean, like I said, you know, those two opponents, especially, you know, last week, but I mean, even, even more so in the Navy game, I mean, that's something coach Huff talked about was, you know, he thought that they really had the advantage at receiver you know, against Navy's defensive backs. And I mean, obviously we did, but uh, you know, just the amount of, you know, passes Grant has thrown through the first two week games is uh, maybe a little shocking to me, but uh you know, it's uh, I mean, he's been pretty effective. I mean, I think he's completing around nearly seventy percent of his passes. I mean, like mm-hmm. you know, I mean, he's had a couple interceptions, but I mean, like I would rather have a guy that is aggressive in what he's trying to do and and make mistakes because you can correct those versus somebody who's you know maybe timid and afraid to make those plays because it's it's harder to correct that. I mean, it's just a you know, it's maybe just a read or something like that, a, a check down that he should make. You know, that, those are things that can be corrected versus, you know, someone that uh, isn't necessarily okay with, you know, putting the, the foot on the pedal, you know, that's uh, per se. But uh, defensively speaking, uh, we're kind of what I thought we would be. Um, right. I, I thought we had a chance to be pretty good defensively. Um, you know, I thought uh, the front sevens played really well. Um, obviously, the you know, the back guys have, have done well too because, you know, we uh, if we're if we're not the top pass defense in the country, you know, through two games, you know, um, I don't know who is honestly without looking. I, I my God, I mean, Navy didn't throw for. I don't think they had a hundred yards, and um, you know, NC Central was wasn't much better. So, but uh, you know, like I said, defensively, we're kind of what I thought we would be. You know, we pressure the ball. You know, they swarm to the ball. It's kind of the same thing we saw last year and even the last couple of years. But uh, we've just got guys that are, you know, have another year or two experience on them. And um, I just uh, – the thing that's probably stood out to me the most on 
on that side of the ball is just the the number of bodies you know we've been running through on the on the defensive line. I mean, yeah, um, it's really been impressive. I mean, you know, we played even some of the younger guys through the first two games. You know, uh, I'm going to butcher this name, I know, but Takazi Leg. Um, yeah, yeah, Jay Sean Kaufman. Both of those guys have played a ton already mm-hmm. through those two games. So, you know, those guys developing and coming along, you know, this fast in the season or early in the season, however you want to say it, uh, could pay huge dividends for us later in the year. And, and guys like Kobe Cumberlander, um, you know, Shane Sh- Shane Simmons, you know, Jamari Edwards. I mean, you know, those guys have been what we kind of thought they would be. Honestly, I mean, like there's just consistent players. Um, you know, guys that make plays when, when given the chance. And so, yeah. but like I said, that that's probably what stood out the most to me is the defensive line. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that's uh, st- stood out to me so far this season uh, from the defensive side of the ball is kind of the leadership role that Eli's taking as far as the linebacking core and the defense as a whole. He's been hitting guys hard. He's been making plays and he's really kind of taken that ownership of you know being a defensive captain and kind of like taking over where Tavante Beckett left off last year, in my opinion. I think he's kind of taken that next step forward in his development as a leader and as a player on the field. I mean, I know that Coach Huff has mentioned him a lot in his post-game pressers, and he's really kind of taken ownership of that role. And as far as um, another thing that stood out to me as far as the season has gone is just our overall depth. Overall depth at receiver has stood out. The depth at running back has stood out. The defensive line, like you mentioned, has got a lot of bodies that have been uh, rotated in and out of the lineup. Guys like Jay Sean Kaufman, like you said, and TJ Johnson's emerged a little bit, and Jamari Edwards and Kobe Cumberlander. We've seen what we've seen from them. Sam Burton had a big game against Navy. I mean, it was just a lot of guys in and out of that rotation making plays and doing things. But the leadership aspect is something that I think was uh, lacking a few years ago from some of our players. But a lot of guys have really taken ownership of that and have uh, really translated their play into the rest of the defense. And it's kind of setting the tone for the rest of the defense. That's why I mentioned Eli, because he was named – uh, defensive player of the week over um, at a conference USA. And uh, he's been doing a lot of big things. So he's kind of, you know, taken off a little bit this year. And uh, I see him getting a couple more conference USA defensive player of the weeks before the season is over. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy before the season started that uh, I kind of pegged to someone that I thought had a chance to, you know, not necessarily maybe this year, but, you know, someone that I thought could easily step into like that, you know, Marshall for a couple seasons in a row had the, you know, the conference of it's a player of the year. And mm-hmm. and he's a guy, I mean, with the start he's off to now already, I mean, he's got a shot at it this year possibly, but uh, he's most certainly a guy that, um, that I thought had a chance to be, you know, to be special um, before he left. And like I said, he's kind of already proving that. Um so, yeah, I mean, uh, and in terms of, like, the leadership, like you were talking about, like, something that, you know, we talked a lot about last year was, you know, just COVID and, and how it affected those guys. And, um, you know, it, I think it, it was a wake-up call in a lot of ways. And, mm-hmm. 
you know, those guys, you know, dealt with a really, really difficult year. And, um, you know, with the way the season ended last year, I think obviously that, you know, there was a bad taste in their mouth. And, you know, with the, with all the, the things they dealt with last year, I think it just, it just, it's just matured them even more than what a season normally would. Um, so I, I think that definitely plays part in, in what you were talking about with the leadership. Definitely. And if you want to add a comment or a question for our staff, you can. You could uh, send a question through either Facebook or Twitter. We are streaming on both platforms right now. We are live streaming in the Running with the Herd podcast powered up by Herd Nation, a part of the Rivals Network. Aaron Coleman alongside Josh Dowers. We'll be joined by Jared Shaffet of the Boneyard Podcast to talk a little ECU here shortly, and we will momentarily be joined by Aaron Perkins. Uh, right now we have a comment from uh, one of our fans of the show, Vanessa Carlson, or Car- Clarkson, I should say, softball alum here. And uh, Vanessa, thank you for your comment. And uh, if you have a comment for myself or Josh or Aaron or even the guys from the Boneyard podcast, you can send one as well. And so uh, we are going to uh, go now to uh, Jared Shaffet of the Boneyard podcast to talk a little ECU. Jared, welcome, sir. Thank you. Thanks, guys, for having me. Absolutely. And we're also uh, going to add the second half of the Boneyard podcast as well. How are you How doing, we- sir? Good. How we doing, fellas? Good, man. Good, good. And uh, ECU, gentlemen, is one of those teams uh, that even though they have an 0-2 record, they are a very deceptive 0-2. They were they were hanging with South Carolina in that second game, and uh, just a couple of things kind of didn't go their way, but they came up on the short end of it. Um, Jared, we'll start with you. Talk to us a little bit about that ECU team and um, just their expectations here um, in 2021. Yeah, uh, the, the the expectations, guys, the for the, for this ECU football team. I mean, it, it it's really. I mean, it feels like it's bowl game or bust. But at the same time, you, you got to remember this is still a program that's rebuilding. I mean, we've we've gone through about seven years now uh, of down years from. Uh, after the former um, staff and, and um, head of, of the athletic department fired, uh, I mean, ECU legend, Ruffin McNeil. So um, that, that's been, we've been in some dark times, but coach Houston has this team uh, in the, in the headed in the right direction. Um, he, he's got some coordinators that know what they're doing. They're, they're doing a pretty damn good job um, of getting things rolling. Um, especially on the defensive side. That was something that uh, we saw last week. Um, the defensive side of the ball played outstanding, um, just wasn't good enough to get the win. Right. Uh, Artie, talk a little bit about uh, what you've seen from ECU this year, offensively, defensively. Um, when I saw, I saw a little bit of that South Carolina game uh, last week, and I saw – um, some guys that were flying around to the ball, some guys that were really uh, locked in on defense. Talk to talk a little bit about what you saw from that group. Yeah, I mean, defensively, I think we have honestly played a lot better than I expected. 
uh, to start the season, to be honest with you. Our defense has been something that's been lackluster, especially the last four or five, six years. They've been bottom of the FBS uh, very, very famously. Uh, so to see this defense come out and play the way that they've played the last couple of weeks, it gives me a lot of hope. Um, this offense, on the other hand, is something that was supposed to be a little bit better and, and, and you know, as advertised. It's supposed to be an explosive offense, wants to come out and be able to put a lot of points on the board. They haven't really done that in the first two weeks against App State, against South Carolina. Um, you know, outside of that first trick play, um, you know, from Tyler Snead to uh, Cy Hatfield on the very first play of the game, our offense kind of sputtered the rest of the game. So it's kind of disheartening to see from an offensive standpoint that we're not able to kind of live up to the, to the capability of what we are and what we can be from an offense. But defensively, I am excited about where we're headed. I'm excited about Blake Harrell, the defensive coordinator, and what, what he's doing with this defense. Um, you know, Coach Houston is, is getting us there. And we're not there yet. We're not a finished product by any means. We're 0-2. And, and obviously, you don't want to be that, you know, last week's game against South Carolina's game. We felt that we should have won. Um, but we're still heading in the right direction. I know a lot of people in Pirate Nation are very frustrated and very upset right now. But bear with us because I think things are building in the right direction. Now, Guys, Josh, seems- you- oh, go ahead, Josh. <laughs> My bad. Guys, it seems like through two games, you know, albeit the, the opponents have been maybe a little bit tougher, it seems like you're struggling to run the ball. What uh, can you talk about that? Yeah, so I'll I'll go ahead and kind of hit on that. The uh, the two or the two defenses we we've played. I mean, App State, a top ten defense last year, returned I, I believe it's nine or ten guys on the on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so that I mean that that that's tough. I mean, when you have a, a running back room, kind of like what ECU has with Keaton Mitchell and Rajay Harris. I mean, you you expect those guys to put up. 150, 200 yards each week um, as a unit. Um, But unfortunately, I I believe last week they put up about 115 yards. um, So it it wasn't good enough to get it done. But um, I I do think that there's some big play capabilities there. Um, You've got these two guys that, I mean, they're they're both different style backs. You got Rajay who, who, I mean, he's that heavy down back. Um, He's... Not the biggest guy in the world, but he, he he's got that he's got that kind of strength to to break through the line. But then you got Keaton Mitchell, who I mean, in, against App State on a on a screenplay, the first touchdown of the game. I mean, he he had the fastest uh, sprint speed of any player in college football uh, two weeks ago. So I mean, that that just goes to show that there's a lot of athleticism in the running back room. Um, those two guys, I mean, they they're technically freshmen with with all the COVID. Um, exemptions now but they, i mean coming off their freshman their true freshman year last year they they kind of stole the show last year i mean we, we were all expecting uh them to be three and four and then, and then they just kind of took over and became the one and two um and and i know that the skills there and, and all of ecu fans know that there there's a lot of athleticism a lot of skill there all right uh jared already talk a little bit about holton airs uh, the quarterback for ECU. I mean, obviously, uh, he's an experienced player, but he's had a little bit of inconsistency, and it showed through the first two games against App State and against South Carolina. He's probably the key to that entire offense, and the thing, the common denominator between having success and having some of those wins versus going 0-2 to start the young season uh, guys, talk talk a little bit about the QB and what he can do to kind of steer the ship right for the Pirates this year yeah, and I'll, in this game. 
I'll, I'll go ahead and start with that. You know, Houghton has not played up to his potential to start. You know, we, we know what Houghton can be. He's a hometown kid, comes out of Greenville. Um, you know, this is his third year in the, in the system, and he's a veteran now. And so, you know, we kind of expected Houghton to come out and to kind of show that veteran leadership and kind of take a stranglehold, you know, especially on this offense and this team as a leader. He still has the capabilities. He still has everything that, you know, to do. Um, and, and you're right. He absolutely is the vocal point to our offense. If Houghton isn't getting it going, we have no chance in Hades of, of beating anybody. So, you know, to me, he has not performed the way he should have, especially against South Carolina. I think he only had 77 yards passing in that game. That's just not going to get it done against anybody. It's not going to get it done against an FCS opponent. Um, so that's just lackluster. Um, but I truly believe that he can right the wrongs. I know he's hearing all the noise from the outside sources, and I know that's kind of feeding into what he feels like right now. I like what Coach Houston said after the game. Houghton's our guy. Uh, we're going to stick with Houghton. Um, until things, you know, just get, you know, out of, out of hand. But to me, Houghton has a time clock. You know, he has a certain window to kind of steer the ship and get it right. Um, I think he's got a couple of weeks. And I think it starts with this Marshall game, kind of getting it back on track and playing a, a good game. Even if we don't win, Houghton needs to come out and play well enough for us to win this football game for him to keep his job. Yeah, and I'll, I'll kind of echo that. I mean, a- after the game, Artie and I sat down and, and talked uh, in our hotel room and I mean, it, it definitely was. This was this last week was probably Holt Naylor's worst game of his of his college football career. Mm-hmm. Um, he he looked er, in, in the first quarter. We even we even we were on text chain. And we even said in the text chain that Holt Naylor's. I mean, he he looked like he he was uh, he wasn't confident with the ball. He he was he wasn't his kind of um, dog mentality that he usually has. That kind of. Um, I'm going to run over you or I'm going to throw it down your throat. Um, he didn't have that. And, and it was kind of strange to see that. I, I think his confidence was shook against app. And then also um, after not being able to really get anything going in, in, in the first half and you saw it. I mean, it, it took whole nailers had 77 yards passing the first play of the game. The trick play was a 75 yard touchdown pass by a wide receiver. So, Holden Aylers really only had two more passing yards than one of our wide receivers had on the day. And, and when when you're doing that against an SEC team, you, you can't expect to win. Um, especially when you like like we just talked about, can't get the can't get the running backs uh going like like you would like them to. Yeah, certainly. And this is a big game for both teams. Obviously, it's Marshall's first real test of the year, and it's a test for ECU as well. I mean, obviously. Um, you know, if you look at past history, ECU and Marshall have had great games against one another. If you remember the GMAC Bowl, Josh, I know you remember that uh, between Byron Lefwich and David Garrard, uh, 64 to 61 um, down in Mobile. And of course, the uh, big catch that Aaron Dobson had in the Joan, that one handed grab that was on Sports Center for about a month and a half. So, um, Josh, Speak a little bit to the history of ECU and Marshall and uh, just the natural rivalry that takes place between these two teams, obviously stemming back to uh, 1970 and the terrible crash that took the 75 lives. But what it's been in recent memory and just how these two teams and these two schools, um, you know, go at it on the gridiron. You know, obviously, like you said, it stems back from the crash. Um, You know, that's something that. Um, I think just about anybody that's a fan of Marshall or, or ECU is, is aware of. I mean, because, you know, there are plaques and, and monuments outside of each stadium. 
But, um, you know, these two teams are teams that, like, I think, you know, as far as, like, when I say old fans, I'm going to I'm gonna include myself into that because <laughs> I have reached the age of 40 this year. But, uh, um, you know, I think us old fans think these two teams should be playing a lot more often than what they have been. I mean, mm-hmm. um, it's it's a great rivalry that stems back to, you know, you know, well, you know, obviously, you know, then, but even, you know, years since then, you know, there's just always close games. I think somebody on our message board, you know, posted the other day, like, you know, the the outcomes, like the last three or four games have been, you know, really close, short of a couple. And, um, you know, like I said, there's just always a lot of emotion in this game. Um, it's kind of like one of those unwritten rivalries. Um, you know, it's not a – I, I yeah, you know, that's not the first first team that comes to mind when you think of you know rivalry from for Marshall, and I'm sure it's not for, for ECU either. But I think once you sit down and look at it, you know both teams I think are names that eventually come up as teams that like you know you want to see you know playing more often. Mm-hmm. But um, you know it's like I said, there's there's a lot of emotion in that game. I mean you know you know for this weekend for us, you know you know the young thundering herd will be back on on campus, and uh, you know they're going to honor those guys, so that'll be great. And, um, you know, just I, I think it's important for, you know, um, the players, uh, I mean, any new fans of either team, you know, to kind of understand and, and know the, the history between the two teams. And and uh, it just it just adds to the game, adds to the environment. I mean, I think the Giant will be will be rocking Saturday and uh, I'm really excited for the game. Yeah, it should definitely be an exciting game. And. I have a good feeling that ECU is going to bring a good contingent of fans up from Greenville for this game. Um, Jared, speak a little bit about um, how the fan base is feeling under Coach Houston. Do you think that they've? Do you think they feel that they've turned the corner? Do you think that after about seven years of you know trying to find their way, that you know under Coach Houston they're finally on that path to success? Oh uh, well. It depends on uh, it depends on who you ask. Um, if, if you okay. ask some of the some of the fans that are uh, on the ECU football f- Facebook page, no, they they want to burn it down and and, and start all <laughs> over again. Um, if you ask, then if you ask the other half, they, they're like, no, we we got to give them some time. I tend to side on, on the side that uh, we should give him some more time. I mean, he's only in year three of, of his uh, stint here at ECU. I mean, and then. Artie and I, we, we've said this time and time again on the Boneyard Podcast that last year, we, we, we just kind of throw last year out the window. I mean, you, you think about you lose three three non-conference games, including the game with Marshall uh, at ECU. Um, you, you lose that game. You lose a Norfolk State game. And then you lose the South Carolina game. And and then there's a lot of close, uh, close losses that ECU has during the season. And um, – I think last year we, we could have been a bowl eligible team um, had we had a full season, a full training camp, but we didn't have that, unfortunately. Um, now, I will say that there there are some decisions that Coach Houston will have to eventually make um, as far as like the quarterback situation. I know a lot of people, that's been the biggest talk of the town this week in Greenville and, and in Pirate Nation as a whole, is what do you do? Can Can we start somebody else? Can we look at a guy like Mason Garcia, the backup quarterback, who he really only has one start in his career. That's against Navy, uh, a game that EC lost by five points last year. Uh, to me, I, I don't think you go that route yet. 
Um, you you got to ride with your your hot hand or ride with your the hand you're dealt, and that that's that's whole nailers right now. Um, Mason Garcia is way too uh way too green behind the ears, but uh, I, I think that there is a time for him. And, and Coach Houston said that in his press conference yesterday. He said there will be a time where Mason Garcia is our our head our starting quarterback, but that that's not right now. That's that's coming down the road and next year or the years coming, but. We got we got to see some momentum. ECU has to get four or five wins this year before I think the critics start shutting up. Um, I th- I think that we we really need to see five or six wins. That's why I think it's it's a bowl or bust kind of year. But I also I I have faith in in athletic director John Gilbert and mm-hmm. uh, the the leadership at East Carolina to uh, really take a look at this and look at all the extenuating circumstances out at, around the program right now and look, okay, do we want to fire a head coach that is building momentum, has the culture headed in the right direction inside that ECU football locker room? I mean, ECU is on the come up on, in football. They're there in baseball, basketball. Eh, we're not a basketball school. Um, so the athletic directors, the athletic director has to really say, okay, do we go on and, and fire a head coach? And I don't I don't think that that's the answer right now. I, I think you got to give him four or five years, get a full a full roster, and uh, and, and go from there. And to be honest with you guys, uh, Artie and Jared, I mean, Scotty Montgomery left the program in not great shape when he was dismissed from the program. Exactly. I mean, you think about how. Um, other teams around the F the uh, college football world have been left when teams are dismissed, when guys don't have that full four or five years of their recruiting classes, their guys to start and build the culture in the way that it should be built. Mm-hmm. And when you have that, when you have stability, things tend to go in the right direction. If you don't have stability, you're looking at, Three or four years of four and eight, five and seven, two and ten, whatever. And it's just not good for the team, the athletic department, the fan base, et cetera. So, I mean, in my opinion, from an outsider's perspective, I think that they are headed in the right direction. And that was evident in during the last two games of the season. They put 50 plus points on SMU, a team that would have gone to a bowl game had they not you know, had COVID issues and so on and so forth. And uh, they won the game before that too. So they were clearly playing hard. They just needed to do the right things in order to win the football game. But I I think that he has them pointed in the right direction. Now, uh, Josh and I have talked a lot about our coach, Coach Charles Huff, and the energy that he brings and kind of the juice that he brings not only on game day but in practice and press conferences etc um guys uh already i'll start with you from an outsider's perspective uh when you look at coach huff and what he brings to this game what he brings to this matchup from the coach's perspective what do you see there um you know honestly i i think that he's got a team that prioritizes winning 
you know, Marshall, you know, over the over the years has tried to build a steady program. And I think he's only added to that. He's trying to prioritize winning. He's trying to prioritize a team that wants to get to the Conference USA Championship and win a Conference USA Championship and get to a bowl game consistently. You know, and in, in, in my eyes, Coach Houston is trying to be what Coach Huff is, you know, right now, trying to get a program that prioritizes winning, that wants to go out and play with their guys. And, and you know, they treat every single game like week one. It's a do or die week one type of scenario we got to go out and just treat every game like you know we just have to go out here and 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 win this matchup so from my perspective um the way he's leading marshall and the and the way that his men are fighting every single week week in and week out it's it's admiring i love to see it i want our team to kind of model after that a little bit and i I want coach houston to get our program to what he's trying to get marshall to get to in conference usa Personally, guys, I think that this uh, rivalry is better when both teams are on equal footing. I mean, when you look at that 2013 game, you had Shane Carden for East Carolina. You had Rakeem Cato, as a lot of us Marshall fans remember. And even though uh, it was a decided victory in terms of Marshall, it was going into that game as a shootout between two quality quarterbacks in Conference USA and ECU's last year in Conference USA. So before we uh, sign off here for tonight, gentlemen, uh, keys to the game. Um, You know, Josh, I'm going to start with you. Keys to victory for Marshall against ECU. Um, I think we've got to run the ball better. Um, You know, know, through in game one, we were somewhat ill-effective. Game two, we had big yardage, but you know, I think you have to take into consideration who the opponent was, but I, it just doesn't seem like it's been a well-oiled machine for us on the ground so far. I mean, obviously, I know Grant's thrown up some big numbers um, through the air, but I think Coach Huff talked about it in his press conference. You know, it's just something was off Saturday, um, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, it, obviously it's hard to be upset about a win, you know, in the, <laughs> with – with that kind of, you know, margin of victory. But uh, it just, you know, something was a little off Saturday. So I think uh, it's – I think it's a matter of focus and, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, execution. Um, And then, you know, I think we got to be a little bit better on the ground. Um, I think if we can run the ball effectively, I think it's only going to make Grant the passing game better. Um, You know, same thing, you know, know, Jared was kind of talking about with with Holton. Um, it, down there, I mean, you, you have to be able to run the ball to open up the pass game. I mean, it's, I know that's that's cliche and it's generic to say in terms of football, but it is what it is. You know, any any good team that that uh, any good rushing attack is is chances are outside of like an option team is going to have a good passing, at, at least a consistent passing game, just because you know the threats there. Um, so you know, those are the two things for me. You know, just to be a little bit more focused and be a little bit better on the ground. For me, I would say ball security is a big thing for uh, the Marshall side of things. I mean, obviously, in that Navy game, we lost a few fumbles, uh, threw a couple of picks, and uh, you can't afford the big mistake. I mean, you know, muff punts, those sorts of things. And if you clean those up, I generally do believe that uh, Marshall will uh, be on top of this one. Jared and Artie, keys to the game, um, ECU versus Marshall. What are you looking at? Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. So um, I, I think that the biggest thing is win, winning in the trenches, right? Um, EC did a better job of that last weekend against South Carolina. Who, I mean, 
has some really good running backs in the, in their running back room. Um, getting, getting downfield. The, the biggest thing coming out of the app state game was the triggering, triggering on defense, right? You kept hearing that word. It was, it was a buzzword around campus, buzzword around ECU buzzword all over the place. Everybody's saying it, the defensive side of the ball is saying it, head coaches saying it, defensive coordinators saying it, they're all saying it, right? Got to trigger better. So, and they did that. They came out and they did that. Now, what I would like to see is be able to stop the run on the outside. On, on the fourth quarter drive that, that USC ended up going and winning and scoring that, that last second field goal on, uh, they, they hit a lot of plays, big plays on the outside. Now, with that being said, if, if they can hold the line on the defensive side of the ball and, and really uh, take away any passing game, then I think that ECU has, has a decent shot at least keeping the game close. Now, flip the flip it on its head on the offensive side of the ball. Hole Nailers has to play better. Hole Nailers, he's the guy. He's going in. He needs a bounce-back game. Uh, last week, Artie and I, after the game, talked about it quite a bit. Once again, said, hey, this would be a kind of a coming-out party again for Hole Nailers. I mean, he, we've seen it before, him not have a great game. We saw it back uh, in, in his freshman year um, with – against North Carolina A&T, and then the very next week comes out and beats Carolina. So, I mean, that that was I mean that, that was big for ECU, and we've seen bounce backs from him. He's got to he's block out all the talk that's coming from all these Sunday morning coaches, right? And he's got to come out there and play his style of football. He's gotta, he can't be scared to run the ball, and he's got to also be able to um, find, find his targets. He's got – a lot of great receivers on, on the outside. And, I mean, the, the skill positions for ECU, um, I, I think I, I think those really are where ECU stands out. They have for the past 10, 15 years. But if if, if Hole Nailers can get hit the ball to those skill players, then he'll, uh, he'll, he'll have a better week than last week. So those are my two keys. Yeah, to, uh, to, to kind of build off of what Jared said, you know, for me on – on the defensive side of the ball is build off of what we did last weekend against South Carolina. That offense only scored 13 points against our defense because they had to pick six in that game. So to be able to build off of what we did last weekend, take that momentum into Huntington, Virginia, or West Virginia, excuse me, and to be able to kind of have a kind of defensive mindset of we did some really good things last weekend. Let's carry this into it. I know we had, I know we had a loss, but let's carry that into next weekend and let's build off of that. Looking for Xavier Smith. I'm looking for Jaquan McMillan to have very big games in this particular matchup. We need both of those guys to play well in this matchup if we want to win. So for me on the defense side of the ball, kind of build off of what we did last weekend, because to me, our defense played pretty well. We should have won that game according to our defense. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, just like Jared said, uh, this is really going to be a, another coming out party for Holden Aylers. If we're going to get it done, it's going to be on his shoulders. It's going to be on his back. I think our running game, gets back to normal. I think the, the the two-headed monster we have in Roger Harris and Keaton Mitchell, I think they get it going. But for me, and I've been beating this horse for a long time, I think our receivers, somebody really needs to step up from our receiving court, whether it's C.J. Johnson, whether it's Cy Hatfield, whether it's Tyler Sneed, somebody really needs to step up from that receiving court and have a monster game, not just a good game, not a great game, but a monster game to kind of submit themselves and to kind of give Holton some cushion and some confidence going forward. So I think defense needs to build off what they did last week. And I think somebody from our receiving core on the ECU side of the ball needs to have a monster game for us to go into, you know, hostile territory and win this game. 
All right, keys to the game from both sides. Artie, Jared, thank you very much for joining us here in the Running with the Herd podcast. We certainly appreciate it. Hopefully you guys got what you needed on your end. And um, we'll uh, look forward to talking to you again once these two teams play a little bit down the road later on this decade. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. See you guys. That was uh, Artie and Jared from the Boneyard podcast uh, covering ECU football. And uh, we're going to wrap it up here in just a little bit. A couple of uh, Facebook messages and Twitter uh, messages from some of our fans. Tim Mayo talking a little bit about the running back room. A lot of uh, skill there with uh, guys like Knowledge McDaniel and Rasheen Ali and Sheldon Evans. And then Trevor chiming in on Periscope saying, hey, uh, what's up, Trevor, who had four touchdowns, but he had 59 yards on the ground. And Knowledge McDaniel had 67 yards rushing against North Carolina Central, but half of that was on one run. Um, Is it a deal with the offensive line? Do you think they're coming together well, or do you think they need to come together better? Or do you think it's on that running backs room to kind of uh, establish kind of a lead guy or a running by committee kind of deal and – uh, try to gain some more yards on the ground and take the pressure off of Grant so he doesn't feel like he has to, you know, make that hero pass. You know, he he could just play within the system. You know, I was thinking about it the other day, and um, after the way last year ended, um, I started thinking, you know, it, maybe it's a situation where teams are trying to take, you know, take the ground game away and make make Grant beat them. Um, you know, it, it, it may be that. Maybe that's the reason we've been somewhat limited. Um, like I said, I mean, I know we rushed, I think, for over 250 yards last game, but I don't know. It just seemed off still. I mean, like, I know I know it's, tar- it's hard to say that. I mean, if you rush for 250 yards, it's 250 yards, no matter what you say. But, right. um, you know, it just even like when it was the ones versus the ones, you know, early in the game, it just didn't seem like we were getting, like, you know, a lot. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's like I said, maybe it's something like that. Maybe it's a situation where, you know, teams are really focusing on the ground game and you know, knowing that Marshall has had the ability to run the ball pretty well, you know, with guys, you know, like Brendan Knox and, and guys before him. Um, and it may be a combination of that, you know, some, the somewhat still newness. I mean, you know, this is Rasheen Ali's, you know, first real couple games. I mean, you know, he didn't really run the ball last year. I mean, like this, right. is, you know, this is his first real game action. And same thing for knowledge. You know, he, he rushed the ball, you know, sparingly last year. Um, you know, in terms of that room, you know, Sheldon's really the only one that's really seen the field a lot. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe it's the, those guys, you know, feeling their way through things. Um, obviously the offensive line is still a work in progress. I mean, you know, I know, you know, Coach Huff kind of took offense to that, it seemed like, in his press conference whenever. Yeah. You know, we were, uh, but, uh, you know, that's just the way I see it. You know, I mean, like, I'm not there every day. I mean, obviously he is. But, um, you know, for me, like, that's a that's an area to watch, you know, to focus yeah. on and, and, and to see how it, work, how, see how it works out. Um, you know, I, uh, you know, they were running a lot of bodies through there last week, you know, and, you know, and not just – you know, late in the game, but even early in the game, I mean, you had guys, you know, cycling in and out, um, you know, Dalton Tucker, 
Um, yeah, I saw Jack Murphy in there a couple times. You know, there was you know points in the game when you know Salguero was at center and 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 Millette was out, and it just you know they were just cycling guys through there a lot. You know, last week, but um, you know it's like I said, you know sometimes it takes takes those guys a couple games to really gel and. Mm-hmm. And it may be the combination of all things considered, you know, with the rushing game. But, um, yeah, like I said, it's uh, – I'm only going to take those first couple games with, with a grain of salt. I mean, don't, I'm not trying to take anything away from them. You know, they were good wins, obviously, especially, you know, on the road in Navy. Yeah. But um, – and, and you got to wonder, too, you know, you know, how much were we really showing? I mean, you know, were we – keeping it somewhat vanilla through those first couple games, you know, who knows? I mean, obviously I'm sure last week we weren't going too far into the playbook. I'm, I'm, sure, right, I'm right. certain of that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's something else to think about, you know, maybe, you know, maybe this week's the week that they open it up and, and really let things go. But my only you know, drawback with that is coach Huff doesn't seem like he's a guy that, you know, necessarily wants to hold back either. I mean, it seems like, you know, he wants things firing on all cylinders and, He's somebody that is going to put his best foot forward and just basically say, here it is, you know, this, it's your job to stop it. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but we'll see how it goes. Like I said, that's just something that for me, I I want to see us. It's weird because when I was younger, you know, I wanted video games and stuff like that. You just want to throw the crap out of the wall. Oh yeah. And, And as I've, as I've gotten older, like I'm not that I don't enjoy throwing the ball, but I mean, like, there's just something about being able to jam the ball down the throat. Oh the yeah. Defense on the ground. That's just so rewarding. So, Definitely. Uh, but, uh, and, you know, and just defeating, I mean, you know, I mean, if you can just sit there and just nonstop down their throat consistently, I mean, that's something. That's, yeah. That's the, one of the games that stood with. out to me in that regard was the bowl game that Marshall played in 2000. And 18, I think it was either 2018 or 2019 against the USF Bulls, led by Charlie Strong. And the team had probably two or 300 rushing yards and multiple touchdowns. I mean, Brendan got in there. Uh, our former quarterback, Isaiah Green, got in there. And uh, Keon Davis had a couple of big runs. And he was actually the bowl game MVP. And you really could have given the – MVP of that game to the offensive line that night because they were plowing holes and they were getting the running backs uh, big holes to run through. And uh, that was a rewarding game to watch from that perspective. So I think it's going to take some time for those guys. I mean, you have to replace a couple of different pieces on the offensive line. But um, when you have uh, Sartor and uh, you know, a combination of uh, Tucker and uh, um, Logan Osborne and those guys like that. Uh, one thing that I will say that's positive for them is they've kept Grant clean. You know, they've kept Grant clean through two games. Now, I know, you know, last week's opponent, you know, they were who they were, but at the same time, they did keep him clean. So that's that's a positive and a feather in their cap. But I definitely think that in order for them to get to that next level that Coach Huff wants them to get to, they're going to have to um, be more balanced in terms of uh, making sure that that ground game 
is on point and uh, takes the pressure off Grant. Uh, one last question here before we run. Uh, Jimmy says, when will we get Willie Johnson more involved? Uh, I've been I've been looking for that deep ball to Willie uh, a couple of times. Uh, Grant missed on a couple of them, but there's a couple of different ways to get Willie involved. I mean, you know, not only on deep passes, but, you know, the scissors routes, you know, something that they did a lot last year and those end of rounds where they would flip the ball to him and just let him run. I mean, I think you're going to get a little bit deeper into the playbook. So I think you're going to see a lot more Willie Johnson, um, not only in this game, but in the games to – uh, show up. So thanks to all of our uh, commenters, both on Facebook and Twitter. We're live streaming on both Facebook and Twitter. Uh, thanks to Artie and Jared from the Boneyard Podcast for joining us earlier in the show. Thank you to Aaron Perkins as well. Josh Towers, I'm Aaron Coleman saying so long. We'll talk to you next week ahead of the big one against App State and Boone, North Carolina. So we'll talk to you next week. And until then, go herd.